Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from UCSF Medical Center. U.S. News and World Report has recognized UCSF Medical Center as the best hospital in California for neurology and neurosurgery, cancer, orthopedics, kidney care, diabetes and endocrinology, lung and respiratory care. UCSF Health, redefining possible. Columbus is growing. Here at the Dispatch, we wanted to take a step back and look at what all this growth means. This program will explore the future of Columbus and Central Ohio. This is What's Next. Hello and welcome to another episode of CBUS Next. We are exploring the future of Columbus, looking at what the city is going to look like, what the Central Ohio area will look like over the next 20 years. Kimball Perry, a reporter here at the Dispatch, recently sat down with Mike Stevens from Smart Columbus to talk about um, transportation, what cars are going to look like, what mass transportation is going to look like, and here they are. Hi, my name is Kimball Perry. I'm a newspaper reporter at the Columbus Dispatch. Today we'll be talking with Mike Stevens, the Chief Innovation Officer at Smart Columbus. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good, Kimball. How are you? Fine, thanks. We are doing the podcast as part of the CBUS Next series that the Dispatch is doing over the next couple of months, and Mike was good enough to sit down and talk to me about transportation and what transportation will be like in the next 20 years. And uh, an anecdote that Mike actually told me really resonated with me, and I'm using it to start the story, and it involves your 16-year-old son, Ted. Tell me about that. Well, Ted, is, um, as a 16-year-old, has recently learned how to drive, and as I um, started working for the City of Columbus in this role and, and learning more about what the Smart City Challenge was and what we're working on in Smart Columbus, it made me think about how is this going to impact the future? And will Ted have the opportunity when he's a, a, a father to take his child out and teach them how to drive? Or are we really, or, or, or with this disruption we're seeing in mobility, will there be autonomous vehicles to the point where our, that generation, you know, my grandchildren, might not learn how to drive, might not have licenses, uh, will be riding in autonomous vehicles. So that was, to me, that was really interesting. And um, the, you know, I talked to Ted about it as we were driving. He wasn't as interested, but he, <laughs> he is a 16-year-old boy. Well, I've seen a few driverless cars go by the autonomous vehicles and they kind of I don't want to say freak me out but they make me uncomfortable how about you you, you know when we talked earlier you know I talked about how now when I get around you or come to work I get in my car by myself drive to the city and, and go to work and, and drive home and over 80 percent of the population in Columbus is doing that um and there's a lot of it's because there's control and, and there's this thought of well I have my freedom and I can move about I think as as this disruption in mobility and transportation occurs, and it's going to be pretty significant. What do you mean by disruption? You know, over 100 years ago, we went from the horse and buggy to the automobile and the Model T. And that was a significant disruption because of technology. Over the next 100 years, the automobile has made improvements in technolo technology improvements, incremental improvements. 
we're going to see um, a change that's not incremental. It's going to be pretty significant where people are thinking more about um, mobility services and less about what automobile am I going to drive, how am I going to get there, how am I going to plan my trip. Um, And it's going to be more of a community-oriented activity of, of getting around. Uh, but I, I truly believe this, this change and in, in, in the improvement in mobility services, you're really not going to lose your freedom. You're just, the, the paradigm of how you're getting around, you're still, you're still going to be able to get to the places you need to get on the time that when you want to do it. You, and, and, and the wait time and, and the, the, the fixed routes, um, the wait time will be decreased, the fixed routes will be less. Uh, and there'll be different ways. And, and you see it now already, whether it's if you get tar- car to go in downtown Columbus, if you use the bike service, if you use Uber or Lyft uh, or, or, you know, or trip service. And, and, and that really complements our pretty robust transit authority that we have uh, to move people around. So you know, there's times where I will ride the bus to downtown, and, and I don't feel that I am then stuck in, in, in being held to the, the bus schedule. I know there are other ways to get around downtown uh, and, and around central Ohio uh, at, at a moment's notice. Well, give me an example of how you think the transportation will change for me or you coming to work in 20, by 2037. Whereas now you and I both get in our cars, drive individually down here and park someplace to pay to park, and then we walk a couple of blocks to work or, or park in the parking garage. I really feel that at, by 2037 we're going to be riding in par- vehicles that are connected and driving themselves, you know, fully autonomous electric vehicles. Um, when you are, say connected, you don't mean physically connected. Not physically connected, but th- uh, you know, the, um, connected uh, electronically is the wrong word. But you they, know, through they a, a, a wireless com- com- uh, communication, a, a short-range radio, um, so that, you know they are, you know are reacting um, and 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 moving around. So I think there's going to be hubs to you know to, to get in and, and a lot of times they'll be shared i mean you and i will, might be both riding in this uh, autonomous vehicle together um probably both doing work as we go from point a to point b um that that's going to be and that's going to have a pretty big impact on parking you know it, 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 the need for parking it won't be as as strong and we'll at that point, will we have overparked? Right now, parking's an issue, and, and people work downtown. You know that that's an important thing. Is you know, where is my parking and what the cost is? I don't think it will be an issue in 20 years, and because of we are going to offer these mobility services. I think uh, the cost of uh, automobile ownership, you know, that's going to imp- when you don't have an automobile, that's going to create more. Um, time for one more time and more disposable income so that's going to have an impact on the economy it's going to have an impact on our workforce and and how so well currently you know ohio is the second largest employer of tier one and tier two automotive manufacturer of automotive parks which is so it's a significant employer well when you don't have steering wheels and you have autonomous vehicles that aren't crashing you, you don't need the bumpers. You don't need those parts. So, are we? We, we got to make sure that our workforce and our, our our talent pipeline is being developed in a way that it, it's preparing for the jobs of the future, as opposed to some of the jobs that are going away. So, I, I, I liken it to, you know, at the turn of the century, you know, the 1800s to 1900s, Columbus was a significant buggy manufacturer, and so something like buggy whips. I did not know that. Yeah, you, you know, a quarter of the. The bug, uh, buggies that were made in the United States were made in Columbus. Well, the Model T wiped that industry out. 
and you know you have to continuously evolve and change and make sure that that the opportunities uh, for the, the for the next generation of whatever it might be. So it, we might, might not be manufacturing steering wheels, but there's still a, a, an autonomous vehicle that needs to be manufactured. It's got a and, and, and it's got parts in it that needs to be maintained. So are we electronics? Making, electronics, and are we making sure our workforce solution providers are are, are, are are starting to think about that and working with the private sector that's developing these uh, not tools, but the the, the, the different um, ways to get around the different vehicles, you know, are we making sure that the, the skill set that the, the, the manufacturer needs are being developed? So that's really important. Well, as kids, we, um, you probably, I'm sure, uh, I did, uh, watched the Jetsons, the futuristic cartoon show, and it's been on in repeats for decades. There you always saw George Jetson coming home in a flying car. And I talked to Giorgio Rizzoni at uh, Ohio State University, who's in charge of the um, car um, department there. And he says that's 20 years is way too far for that. But within 20 years, everybody should have options, including electric. And you talked about electric. Why do you see electric as a big um, driver and a big user in the future? The technology around electric vehicles is, is really getting good, and so the cost of the electric vehicles, the bat, you know, the battery lives are lasting longer. The, the amount of time it takes to, um, the, the distance you can travel, um, is significant. Is getting significant, um, and, and so the and also the cost to produce these vehicles is reducing. So um, it, it's, I really see an opportunity that. They're, they're going to be just better produced vehicles, and you, and you see that uh, even the manufacturers are, are starting to recognize that. And you know, th there's also you know the dependence on oil, and reducing that and reducing greenhouse gas emissions is it has a significant impact on our environment and the quality of life. Well, when you started in your job, you said you've been on this job for three months. Now. Three months now. Did you think that you'd be doing this kind of a project that not only impacted transportation, but the way transportation changes are going to impact the environment and the way we live? Yeah, that, that, that's what attracted me to come back and, and take this role and really focus on this initially because of the significant impact it's going to have not only on our transportation and mobility, but how are we using mobility to, you know, as, the, as Mayor Ginther likes to say, it's the great equalizer. How, do, how is mobility going to help some of our uh, neighborhoods that have been left behind in, in the economic success we've had in Columbus recently? How do we? How's mobility going to help equalize that to get people to job training, to get them to jobs, to get them to better health care? Um, well, how do you see that? What is the answer to that? Well, a lot of it's you know, and one of the pro, you know, a couple of the projects we're working on is how do we answer this first mile, last mile issue of you know, you, you start at your home and you want to get to the Coda uh, stop. How, how do you get there? So you're not walking an, uh, a mile. So how, w what tools do you use? And now, in talking to Curtis Stitt, the CEO of Coda here, he says that that's a big issue for Coda for public transportation also, and they're doing things like looking at Uber and Lyft and the point to points, and there's another one called Chariot. Yeah. Which essentially is a, if your neighborhood wants to van pool to work, you all get together and if there's enough people, they create a new route for you. Do you see that as the future where we all get together and ride together? Yeah, that's the, those mobility solutions. Uh, and, and, you know, people are going to be able to select out. And I think, it's, you know, obviously it's going to be some fee-based. Uh, and probably if you, if you have the scale, if you have more people, it's going to cost you less. Um, but that is, that's a real issue, and how do we use ride-sharing to get people to the point they want, from A to B, where they want to go, um, so then they can get into, like I said, a robust transit system, 
and then that last mile, whether it's you know it's the doctor's appointment or or the, or the office where you get dropped off, how do you make up that last mile? And and there's those are some of these ride sharing tools that are out there are going to continue to evolve, and it's uh it's exciting. So it looks like instead of me driving from my house to my doctor's office and you know, doing that just without any interruption, in, the, in 20 years I may have to get in a car to go or something like it and drive a quarter of a mile, half a mile to get to basically a hub that allows me to get on this um, uh, the electric car, driverless car, and it may be a pod, and it may be six or seven or eight of them going at high speed someplace. Is that accurate? I think that's a that's a vision of it. I, you know, I'm, my expertise on what it's going to look like is is not as strong as knowing that we're working towards that and trying to find the solutions. But what, some of the things we're working on now with our USDOT grant is the multimodal trip planning. So how do you get use your phone to plan from your, from your home from where you start to where you end and how you will do that in a, a time that you know makes so it's efficient, right? One of the things is you can get in your car now, you drive 20 minutes, and chances are you you're where you want to be. How do we reduce the time for this the multimodal portion to get where you need to be so it's competitive with the way you're doing it now, but also maybe just pay for it all at once then, right there on your phone, you plan your trip, you pay for it, you, you walk out. You know, if we reduce greenhouse gas emissions, you're going to do that half mile as a walk because the, the air is healthier, you, you know, you're living a healthier lifestyle, you'll get on the bus um, or, or you'll get into an autonomous shuttle, you go where you need to go, maybe the last quarter of a mile you'll ride a bike that's available at the hub. So it's a And the theory is that that payment may not be an extra payment because it may substitute for what is a monthly car payment now. Oh yeah, it's it's going to actually be, uh, it's going to cost you less, especially if you do one word, word like I said, the scale, if, if, if you're riding with others, you know, you're all going to be sharing that cost, so that will reduce the cost. And, and the, yeah, and it will be offset by the cost of car ownership. You know, it's beyond 20 years, but I think there's a real opportunity, uh, a business opportunity around uh, cars that you know, people are driving now. You know, when the, the horse and buggy went away, people still kept horses, and, and but it became more of a hobby. I could see someone um, taking, you know, a couple thousand acres in some place and setting up a, a car driving experience where... You know, my grandchildren who maybe don't learn how to drive will then have the opportunity to go out there in a, in a controlled environment. Where we're doing autonomous vehicle testing now is in a controlled environment. We'll have self-driving, you know, where we drive the cars ourselves in a controlled environment. And that's that's the hobby. You go out and, and you drive a little bit and, and, and get that thrill. And So I think that's a great business opportunity out in the, the future, but it might be more than 20 years. How difficult do you think it will be for us to evolve into the all-electric car because that has to be charged up and it's going to take, I mean, there are very few charging stations now and there are more coming. I understand you guys are going to planning, what, 300 downtown? Yeah, that that's not going to be that difficult. We've got a great partner in AEP. Um, we're really focused and, and then the Paul Allen Family Foundation, Vulcan, has, has was part of the grant process for us and we're really modern, you know, the grid's being modernized by AEP. The Vulcan Foundation dollars are helping uh, identify locations to, to install charging systems. Uh, so we're going to have both public and private charging systems put out uh, across the, the region. And so, that, and, and then eventually, you know, I think we've got to spur it, but at some point the private sector is going to take over. And you, you have a gas station on corners now where you pull in and you gas up. You're going to have an electric charging station, and there's going to be a, a market to that as well. And uh, I'm really excited to see how that's going to evolve, because I think that will be a great solution. Um, is the technology um, available now, or do you think it will be in 20 years so that I don't have to spend an hour charging up? 
because it's two or three minutes to fill my gas, uh, yeah, my car with gas. Yeah, in 20 years, that uh, I, I'm really confident you'll be. And then you won't have to. Um, the battery technology is advancing in such a way that you won't have to be charging up all the time. You'll be able to get, like I go to the gas station once a week and fill up. I think you'll, you're going to have a similar thing in, in charging your battery. I mean, it all depends on how much how much you drive. But if you're driving, you know, 300 miles a week. We'll, we'll get to the point where you won't have to charge up. How much of an impact do you think that transportation will have on the way we live in 20 years? Oh, it's had a significant impact over the last 100 years on the way we live, and it will continue to. Um, but the technology improvements uh, are, are happening so fast that it's, it's going to have a positive impact. I, you know, I've talked with the mayor, and his concern is let's not let's make sure as we do these as these technology improvements happen, we're not leaving people behind. We're not creating a, a greater gap between um, you know, a, a mobility disparity, not a mobility disparity, an income disparity. Let's make sure we're we're, we're focused on ladders of opportunities, so the, the we reduce disparity as opposed to create more through technology improvements. If if I live in a low income neighborhood and I don't have a car now, how will the the changes coming in 20 years impact me? I assume that you think it's going to be a very positive impact. If, if this is a great opportunity to really address those situations uh, where we can in improve people's uh, quality of life through an, a, a different mobility system where you don't have to own a car and you, you, you can get you, know, you can get from point A to you know, to your final, you know from your start to the final destination whether it's, like I said earlier job training or, or job because I mean that's the big you know, if you want a job, you got to get to the job, right? Sure. And it's got to be dependable transportation to get there. Um, but if you also, if you have a job, you, you need to be healthy. You need to, to get to work, and so you need a dependable way to get to healthcare and and, and other. Uh, and we've got great healthcare in this region, and we need to continue. You know, ha giving everyone access to it is going to be really important. Um, if you don't, you know, on the technology side, there's going to be some skills that people need to develop. And I talked about earlier how we need to have the, the, the private sector say this is what the skills that we need folks to develop. We need to be able to get individuals to those job training opportunities so they can have those skills. I think this will make it easier and will be less of a, a barrier to entry for um, individuals. Okay. What about transportation if I want to go out of town to see my relatives or you want to go back and, uh, to Chicago for a while? Is, is it going to be the same type of I get in a pod and it's going to take me? Yeah, I, I really think it, you know, it will continue to evolve. Uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing now, and I'll be honest, I've been focusing on in the um, short term, near term, around automobiles and, and, and more the local trips. But, you know, one of the things that um, we're we're one of our pilot projects is down in uh, the Rickenbacker area is truck platooning. And, you know, how are we, how will this change impact uh, the trucking industry and, and, and the movement of goods and services across the country and the movement of people? Um, so it's, it's, it will continue to evolve. But most of this is based on the, the advances in technology we've made and we expect to make in the next 20 years because basically it's about communications within technology. Roads have to talk to street lights uh, and uh, stoplights, and they have to talk to cars and other vehicles. How, do, how does all that integrate? Will it be as easy as you expect? Oh, I, no, I don't expect it to be easy. I think there'll be challenges to make sure we're using the right technology. The question I ask a lot, it, it, you know, is this, uh, are we doing Betamax or are we doing VHS? Um, I mean, that's real. That dates me quite a bit, but so it's it's along that. So we've got to make sure we're selecting the right technology. Uh, we've got to learn fast. You know, your entrepreneurs and. 
people in technology talk about failing fast, so we've, we've got to learn what works, and, and but then we've got to be able to communicate it out and coordinate with ODOT and as well as the U.S. Department of Transportation, so they, you know, we all are on the same page of the technology that's being used, because if you're using a connected vehicle and you're driving in Ohio and you say you're headed east and you're going to Pennsylvania, you've got to make sure you kind of, there are the same standards that are connecting the vehicles and, 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 the, and the roads. and, and, and Just so. like highways have to have the same rules now. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's not impossible. I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it's changed, and we know how to do that. Uh, and policymakers are going to be are thinking about it already, and um, we'll continue to. What's the next big step from your perspective? The next big step from my perspective, um, you know, we, we're, the city's going to deliver on this grant that we've got from the United States Department of Transportation, and we're going to start implementing projects, and people will see these projects. That grant's, what, $50 million? Um, it's 40 from Department of Transportation, 10 from Vulcan, so it's 50 total. Um, people are going to see, you know, on the electrification side, they're going to see these more chargers going in. They're going to start seeing some fleet vehicles change over from uh, combustion engines to, to electric. Uh, you'll see some of the projects that we're working on, you know, start being deployed in 2018, 2019. Um, so that's really important. But the, the, I think what's really important for the region to understand is this isn't a grant that in four years when it ends, we're done. Um, we have a great opportunity to really help drive something that's going to be transformative. And the fact that not only the elected leadership in the region has gotten behind this, but the, the business and, and civic leadership has. And, and we're having the conversation of what are, what are we doing after the grant? How do we have a real impact um, around business, um, economic development, workforce development? How do we keep Columbus as a leader uh, in in throughout the country and the world through smart cities. So when do I not have to buy a car? Um, I think if you are an early adapter, uh, you are going to be in an electric vehicle in two years. I no think, kidding. Yeah, that, well, I, I, want, I want to be aggressive. Um, I hope to be in an electric vehicle in two years. Um, and then within the next 10 years, um, you're going to be starting to decide, okay, what mobility solutions do I do, solution do I need, and, and does it, does that include a car? And more and more, you're suggesting it may not. I, you know, I think that's the that's that, that we are going that way, and I, I don't think it's it's going to change course. Okay. Thank you for being here. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to us today. Uh, our next episode is going to explore immigration. You can hear it uh, next Friday. And if you want to check out any of our stories, you can go to cbusnext.com. DirecTV has been rated number one in customer satisfaction over cable for 17 years running, but some people still like cable. Just like some people like getting stepped on by their dance partner. Oh, you got the moves. A warm welcome from La Chancla. Oh, I missed you too, Mom. Rubbing their eyes after chopping habaneros. Oh, oh, spicy. I can see clearly now. Or receiving a flying kick directly on the shin. Ah! ah thanks, I needed that. But for everyone else, there's DirecTV. For number one customer satisfaction over cable, switch to DirecTV. Call one 278 1288 Compared to other major subscription TV cable providers. Claim based on 2001 to 2017 ACSI surveys of customers rating their own TV provider's performance. New approved DirecTV customers only. Equipment lease required. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Just going to run this 
dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.